So Simon Peter gives the phrase fishing bear a whole new meaning. Have any of you ever tried doing that before or have seen YouTube videos where people are out in the shallow waters and they try and catch a fish with their bare hands or maybe sometimes with gloves on? Any of you ever try it? <laughs> okay, well, you got to be really quick. You should, like, Google it. You can see a whole bunch of people on videos screaming, too, as they're trying to catch these slippery, fast fish. But, Peter, you have to laugh at what you hear in today's gospel. This is now the third time that Jesus has appeared to his disciples after his resurrection. The first time was that first Easter evening when the disciples are still kind of afraid that what happened to Jesus may happen to them. And so they're locked away in this house, worshiping together, and Jesus appears out of nowhere in their midst. And then Thomas, one of the disciples, wasn't with them that week, and so he says to them throughout the week as he finds out what he missed, I'm not going to believe it for myself unless I see Jesus with my own eyes, unless I put my hands in his side. And so then Jesus appears again the following week as they're gathered together for worship. Now this is the third time. And Jesus, in each time before this, hasn't been really specific about what's going to happen next, about what's going to happen after all about the road ahead, about how long he's even going to be in their midst before ascending back into heaven, about what their role is going to be. And so Peter returns to that which he has known before he ever met Jesus, his career as a fisherman. And so he grabs six of the disciples and they go out together at night to fish. Only they catch nothing, absolutely nothing. Have you ever had a time where something that you have done a million times before suddenly is not working out? The, the things that you are looking for, that you wish for, that you hope for, that you're expecting to be the outcome is just not coming together in the ways that it has a hundred times before. And you start to get so frustrated. Why isn't this working? What am I doing wrong? And you start to think you're a failure. And then out of nowhere, Jesus appears before them. And he says, why don't you try casting the net on the right side? Yeah, like we haven't thought of that already before. <sighs> like it could be that simple. And so, of course, they listen, and lo and behold, before they know it, there are so many fish in that net that they can't even bring it up into the boat, to which the beloved disciple, maybe John himself, exclaims, it's the Lord, it's got to be the Lord. And then this is the part where you all have to just burst out laughing. Simon Peter puts on his clothes, because apparently he was fishing bare naked, and then once he's fully dressed, he jumps into the water, all to swim back to shore in order to greet Jesus. Maybe at that point he was like trying to be respectful for the Lord. I'm not sure, but it's the craziest thing. 
all while leaving behind the rest of the disciples, the responsible ones who have to like now bring this whole net of fish and row the, sh- the boat back to shore. But it is classic Peter, right? This classic Peter who sometimes does what comes to his mind. He jumps, literally, sometimes without even thinking. And so as they get back to the shore, Jesus has this meal ready and waiting for them. And then comes this conversation between Jesus and Simon Peter. Simon Peter, who you might remember, has just denied Jesus three times before Jesus' death on the cross. Only in the Gospel of John, the question that was asked of Simon Peter isn't just, do you know this man? The question asked of him was, are you one of his disciples? To which Jesus, to which Simon Peter says, I am not. Now who knows why Simon Peter answered the way that he did each of those three times. Maybe he was caught off guard, a little afraid that if he answered yes, he might endure the same fate that Jesus was soon going to endure. Maybe because in the back of his mind, he was trying to think to himself, how can I ever live up to Jesus's expectation of me? How can I ever be a disciple of Jesus? Maybe because he was struggling to know what it is that that even looks like. Think like Peter, that's something that we all struggle with in our lives of faith. What it looks like, what it means to be a disciple of Jesus, to be a follower of Jesus. And let me tell you, it looks different for each and every one of us. And it looks different at different times in our lives, depending on what we're, what phase of life we're going through, of where we are in our life journey. But let me tell you, about some of the ways, some of the times in which I have seen a disciple of Jesus. There's a woman who attends here on Saturday evenings who is not married, has no kids, has very little family, just an elderly brother in the area. And a couple of months ago, she found out she has cancer and was given four to six months to live. But instead of feeling alone in the midst of this, she's felt connected because she's gotten to know the people that she sits with in worship every Saturday night. And those people, some of whom actually even live in her very neighborhood, have welcomed her and called her and visited her and brought her meals and taken her to her doctor's appointments. And so suddenly, even in the midst of now facing this end, this this new reality. She doesn't feel so alone because she knows she's connected to this family here. There was a woman who lost her spouse about a year ago, over a year ago, and she hasn't been to church that entire time. And she said it's just too hard because we always came to church together. All my memories are of what we did here in this place being together. And one morning, she said there was something in the back of my mind that just was was kind of pushing me to come. And I was really scared. I was really scared that I would feel as if I didn't belong. 
I was really scared that I would feel all alone to, to have no one remember me, no one know who I was, that no one would even talk to me when I came. And when she came in through those doors, someone was walking by who stopped and immediately noticed her and gave her a great big hug and said, it is so good to see you. And she said, in that moment, I realized I wasn't alone and that I did belong and that this place was exactly where I needed to be. Not running away from my grief, but being able to embrace all of the good memories that we had in this place together. Just before this, one of our, um, one of the kids who actually was, um, grew up in this place, went through Sunday school, went through senior high, um, then went off to college, and now is working as a nurse at Mayo Hospital, shared her story, her faith story, and she compared it to that of a roller coaster. Those times in which you're at like the great high where everything's going well, you've got your family and your friends all supporting you, and then, you hit this low where something not expected, not planned, not what you had wanted comes along. And it suddenly makes you question. It suddenly twists your world upside down. For her, who had so longed to be a nurse all of her life, it was not passing the medical, the the nursing exams needed to become a nurse. Not once. Not twice, three times. And she said, I kept on like yelling at God, why are you doing this to me? Why? Why is this happening? If you want me to be a nurse, why can I not pass these tests? And she said that I continued to come back to this place because this place was my family. And so one of the people in this congregation who had been a lifelong nurse instantly got in touch with her and said, Even though I'm here and you're in Rochester, I have this person that I know who can help you get through these tests. Because every test she took, she had different questions that she faced. And so in a timed, um, uh, limited time that she could take them. And finally, through that encouragement, through believing in her, through that extra bit of help, she was able to pass her tests on the fourth time. And now she's doing exactly what she should be, what she loves, what she's gifted at. And so it was so amazing to be able to hear her story about how everyone in this place has shaped her faith and her life, of how thankful she was for that, and how important it is to be able to have a faith family to be able to fall back on when you find yourself at the lows of those roller coaster rides. That's just the very tip. We could go on for hours about how each of you live as a disciple of Jesus in your lives, in your family lives, in your work lives, in your serving, in your community lives, here in this place and beyond. Notice from our gospel text that Jesus invites Simon Peter into being what a disciple looks like. And I think that he very specifically asks Simon Peter three times that question of, do you love me? Not in a way to shame him or to make him remember how he had let, how he had denied Jesus, 
but maybe to help Peter forgive himself and then help him to be able to see what Jesus was asking him, calling him to become. To become not just a career fisherman anymore, but to become a fisherman of people. To become like a shepherd, caring for and tending to Jesus' sheep. The very thing closest to Jesus' heart. Jesus calls Peter and the disciples and all of us into that work as well. To be a living example of what Jesus taught us to love God, and to love one another. So what does that look like for you in your life? If you're not quite sure of how it is that you live by love, then maybe you start by answering that question, do you love Jesus? And if so, how do you let others know that? What does that look like for you? Oh, and one more thing. Remember this. Jesus always comes to us when we least expect it. Sometimes when we can't even fully recognize him for ourselves. So I would just suggest that you keep your clothes on while fishing at all times. Okay, people? Sorry, you know I had to end there, right? (laughs) Amen.